Welcome to PR360, a weekly public relations podcast where we bring on the best and brightest minds in the PR industry. We discuss the important topics that you need to know. Tune in every Wednesday to find out. Hosted by Brett Dicer and in partnership with Global Results Communication. Find more information on globalresultspr.com. And welcome to a new episode of PR360. And I'm your host, Brett Dice. If you could please subscribe to PR360 and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and leave a review. It really does help with the rankings and let us know how we're doing. But this week, I have Keith Renanson with me, and he basically is going to be pumping us up, making us feel good about ourselves because we always need that, especially with COVID coming back, kind of, sort of, and all this other uncertainties, but he has a book, an award-winning book, mind you, is about tenacity. You don't have to get lost in Nepal to find yourself, but it helps. Actually probably would help. He's also going to talk to us about the trip communication system and he's done many great things. So he is a seasoned professional, but welcome to the show, Keith. How are you doing today, Brett? I am great, but our first question is, are you a coffee or tea drinker? Kind of both, actually. I raced bicycles for a long time, and so I kind of developed a little bit of a heart arrhythmia, so I have to stay away from caffeine. And so I do decaf coffee, and then I uh, I do like uh, mint tea. So um, I wish I could be like Star Trek and have Earl Grey as my tea, but it's uh, not going to cut it, so that's all right. <laughs> I'm a Trekkie, so I apologize for the reference. I actually understood that reference, mind you. <laughs> so you don't have to apologize. I know that Captain Picard always had his Earl Grey tea. Yeah, he sure did. Now we just need a replicator, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's in the works. I don't really. I, 3D printing is probably the closest we can get to a replicator. Yeah, very true. Very true. And it's it's a lot like what we're going to talk about today is that we need to replicate some things in our lives. And a lot of it has to do with with the words that we use. And my keynote and my breakout sessions and my my courses are all about words and the important words in your life. And so that's what we're going to talk about today is about the four important words that I use in my life. All right. I'm looking forward to it, but can you explain a little bit more about your expertise? I gave a very brief introduction. Yeah, that's no problem. I'm 73 years old. And I've spent most of my career up until about eight years ago as a certified financial planner and insurance agent. And I got to see a lot of ups and downs in the financial market and in the employment market through all those years. And what came out of all of that was a a system, mental system for myself of learning how to be tough. I raced cars for 12 years. I raced bicycles for almost the same amount. And you learn in racing that you've got to be tough to get yourself moved up in the rankings, to win a race, to do the things that make racing a lot of fun. And a lot of it was about how that mental toughness was defined for me. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, even creative fields, you got to be mentally tough to take a lot of rejection. Rejection in the insurance industry and the creative fields are almost identical. Yeah. They have a lot in, in common. They're very similar. We we have lots of ups and downs. I mean, I, I woke up this morning, and even though I'm no longer a financial planner, the first thing I do every morning is check in on the stock market. I was down 700 points this morning. It was like, holy cow, what happened last night? 
<laughs> yeah, I always get antsy about that too. I mean, I trade stocks and I'm always like, wait, why is it going down right now? <laughs> well, it's been kind of forecast for a mid-July correction and it finally did. So I think uh, we just have to ride it out. Like, like with everything else in life, with PR professionals or insurance agents, I don't care what you're facing, you've got to have tenacity. Gotcha. So yeah, that was going to be my next question about the trip communication system about basically how do you do all that stuff? Because all those words sound great, tenacity, resilience, imagination, and purpose, but how do you actually do that? Because I feel like some people get some parts of it and others they need to work on, basically. Well, it's ironic that you would say that. And in honest audience, we did not discuss this beforehand. <laughs> I have a brand new assessment that's coming out that'll be called the trip technique. And we're uh, working on it with a developer right now that it'll be available hopefully in September to help people find what you're strong in, what you're average in, and what you're weak in. And I think we'll probably change those three words to something else because I don't really like the word weak. But it has developed out of, well, let me back up a second. This all started when I got lost climbing in the Himalayas. That's where my book came from. And I was lost for four, a little over four days. And I journaled and I meditated each of those days because it was a rather strenuous experience, as you might imagine. And I had to start learning how to pull myself up by the proverbial bootstraps and get going each morning. I had 20 some blisters on my feet. I was really in pain. I wasn't where I was supposed to be. A lot of things occurred that made the, the trip really rough. And as I journaled each day, I discovered my four words started showing up. I started actually living what I was talking about. And I'm going to answer your question here. It just takes me a little while to kind of come back around to it. <laughs> the whole way that we have to be able to look at life and the words that are important to us and how that we can use them is to first recognize what they are. You probably have words that are very important to you. They may be different than mine, and that's okay. These were the words to me that I felt once you had these character traits fairly well honed, your life would be different. Because you'd suddenly recognize, hey, I'm really strong at tenacity, but I really suck at resilience. <laughs> you know, resilience is all about the bounce back factor. It's all about hitting bottom and being able to pull yourself back up and moving forward. And oftentimes, if you're working alone, that's difficult. If you've got a team, it's, it's a lot easier because you can bounce things off each other and work together. If you're really good at imagination, as most people in the PR business are, that's your strong suit. That's where you go to whenever something hits bottom. You go to your creativity. You know you can trust it. You know that you have the skills to make it, things come back and turn around and be better afterwards. And all of this is pulled together with purpose. Purpose is the glue that holds everything together in life. And we hear a lot about COVID and the, the negative things that have happened with it over the last couple of years, year and a half. And purpose is one of those things that once people lose their purpose and maybe staying home all day and not working would cause that, suddenly their life doesn't have the meaning it had before. And suddenly we have lots of people that are discovering a little mental illness going on. And those are the kinds of things that come out of stress. Well, if you have a system that can pull everything together and keep it moving forward, you won't become depressed because you know that you're going to live through it. You're going to come out the other side. You're going to be better than before. Just like the stock market dropping this morning. It's just one of those things that happens. You write it out. You, you don't sell anything. You In fact, you buy. <laughs> but you push forward. You know that it's going to turn around. 
you don't even concentrate on it. You focus on what is in front of you that you can actually take care of and you move forward with that. So that's kind of the baseline feeling of how all this works. Gotcha. And by the way, PR pros and markers are fine with weakness because we have the SWOT analysis. The SWOT analysis does have weakness in it. But if you wanted to change the name, you could do needs improvement. <laughs> I like that. Thank you. You're welcome. So, I mean, it does go to my next question. How do PR pros actually use this in their life? Because you said, like, for a lot of PR pros, imagination is really good. I mean, we have to think about how we're going to talk to somebody or how we're going to write a message to somebody. And that does take a little bit of imagination because you're writing it before you even talk to somebody or see somebody. But it could be that we just don't have tenacity or purpose if we're always staying home for that matter so how can pr pros use this because we're always on the go for the most part yeah american life has sort of fallen into that rut hasn't it we were a set of blinders we only see work we see work 24 hours a day it can be very difficult and i have friends of mine that are in that kind of boat and they always say how do you get to the gym all the time how do you get out on your bicycle to exercise how can you take that time off and I tell them, I just make an appointment with myself because if I don't put it in my calendar, it doesn't get done. And I think that a lot of people are that way. We feel guilty when we're not working. And that's not a good state of mind to be in. We need to be working because it's fun and we need to be playing because it's fun and we need to find time for both. I had a guy tell me a long time ago when I came into the financial planning field, he said, take eight hours of work, eight hours of sleep and eight hours of play. And that was kind of a, a, a guideline that I lived the rest of my life on was that I tried to always close the door to my office. And that was when I closed my mind to whatever was going on with my clients. And when I opened the door at my home and greeted my wife, that was when I was, I opened my mind up for family time. You have to set boundaries like everything else in life you hear boundaries discussed a lot these days in relationships and it's a relationship you've got with yourself you have to have that boundary there as well and be able to schedule time to be able to take off and do the things that make life worth living and i think that tenacity resilience imagination and purpose as a package help you accomplish that it pulls things kind of together and into focus for you because you know when you need to be tenacious is when you're at work. Or if you've got a really tough client and you're kind of hitting bottom with ideas, you've got to learn to bounce back and dive into imagination and brainstorming and make everything kind of lift back up and get the excitement going again. And that's what then gives you purpose on the other end. Your purpose can come from family or charities or work, can come from a lot of different ways. And you can have more than one purpose in your life at a time. When I would leave my office, that was the end of work purpose. When I got home, that was the beginning of family purpose. When we took vacations, that was vacation purpose. And I think that PR professionals are no different than any of the rest of us in that regard. They're on the go, they're thinking, they're really chugging along, having fun, but you've gotta be able to take time. In my bike racing, I, I discovered a long time ago that you have to take time frames for recovery. Because once you put your body through a really tough race, your body has to recover for several days, if not a week afterwards. There's a race here in Colorado that we call the Triple Bypass. It uh, goes over three mountain passes and goes 110 miles. And it's an, all done in one day. And so you've got to be able to have all of your ducks in a row to be able to do something like that. But when that race is over with, you've got to put it behind you and you've got to let your body recover. 
And I think we have to do that with our minds as well. Yeah, it reminds me of some ancient cultures, or specifically the Bible, or even the Jewish culture, where it basically said, you take one day off a week. Like You don't do work at all. You do your best to do as little as possible, but you can't do, you can't not not do things. But do as little as possible to refresh and to help your imagination too, because you can't be creative when you're always on the go because you run down. So it kind of reminds me of the take a Sabbath, basically a day of rest. Yes, definitely. Well, a lot of people have had this kind of thing in their head for a long time. Our ancestors all were religious to some extent back in those days. And Sunday was the day you went to church. That was the day that neighbors came over and you had chicken and potato salad and sat outside and had lemonade and relaxed and watched the kids play. I think to some extent we still do that, but it's harder, I think, for those of us that are self-employed. Oftentimes PR people are self-employed. They don't always work for a firm. And when you're self-employed, you feel like you never really stop working. I was out on my bike two days ago and that's my place to go think. That's my go-to exercise because that gets the endorphins going and I really start my imagination working. And I came up with a whole bunch of ideas for this new uh, trip assessment while I was on my bike. Here I was out trying to get exercise and be away from work and yet suddenly work entered back in. But it was creative and it was helpful. And when I got those things recorded in my phone and I took back off again, it was like I had a weight lifted off my shoulder because I solved a problem and I was really able to enjoy the rest of my exercise. Gotcha. I mean, yeah, I mean, doing physical activities does help as well. I think it said like running helps you process things a lot better or biking or some type of thing. Hiking. Right. I mean, if you love to actually hike, I mean, that's another great thing. Maybe not this summer because there's a lot of rattlesnakes in California, but maybe in the winter again where the rattlesnakes aren't as bad. But regardless, doing something like that can help as well with your resilience because resilience and everything you still have to have i feel like you still have to have rest to become resilient again because you can't always be resilient when you're burned out burnout is a big factor in the society right now in so many aspects and that's when i feel when i start to feel that kind of edging into my brain that's when i go hop on my bike I, in the winter time here i um i volunteer at a ski resort and I get a season pass with that. So I get to go up and ski whenever I want to. But on the days that I work, I'm helping the public do what they need to do to enjoy the mountain. And I work with ski patrol in case they're injured. And it's one of those things where I know that I can look forward to those days on the slopes or it's a matter of being able to see the things you can go do that are going to help you keep your state of mind and keep your focus and not have that burnout. When you start to feel it hitting is when you need to take the time off right away pack up and, and go out for an hour and go walk in the park. Like you said, if the rattlesnakes aren't bad, go for a hike. We've got them in Colorado too. Uh, they, they can be a pain without a doubt, but hiking can be a lot of fun. Uh, we do a lot of it here in the Rockies of Colorado, and it really is a way to get your mind straight. Well, I mean, just in California, we're having a massive drought. It seems like always droughts brings out the rattlesnakes quite a bit. So that's always got, you got to be mindful, at least in the summertime, wintertime, not so much because it does get, cool i'm not saying cold because we don't really understand what cold actually is here <laughs> i understand well maybe in southern california we don't northern does yeah for sure well i think that it's a uh, it's a matter of perspective and i think we all have 
our own individual way of viewing things. For those of us that are self-employed, I love my work so much that I don't mind working a lot. I have a, a, a habit of working late at night. My creativity hits me at about seven in the evening. And sometimes I look up at the clock and it's one o'clock in the morning and I've been going steady for five or six hours. And I didn't really realize it because it was so much fun at what I was doing. And I oftentimes create my own videos and do my own editing and I write my own speeches and whatnot. And working on this assessment, we've got lots of new creativity taking place. So right now is a is an energized, fun time for me because it's so creative. And I think that's what your people really enjoy about being in PR. We do these things because that's where we find enjoyment. But you still have to find time to recover and to take the time off and get away from the burnout. It's all about like what types of key tips can you do for being satisfied with your life? Because satisfaction, I mean, it ebbs and flows and sometimes you got to refocus, but as a whole, you have to have some type of satisfaction with it. And that, that includes work and your personal life at the same time. So how do you keep focused on just being satisfied with your life? Satisfaction is an unusual word. I think that we find satisfaction in different things. I have friends of mine that have animals and they just love their dogs and they find so much satisfaction out of training their dogs and taking them. And so one couple actually even competes with them. But I think that we have to find those kinds of things that give us satisfaction away from work. And that's where we really will start to focus on learning how to recover and how to, how to take burnout in stride and to move on. Life was meant to be lived and have fun. My tagline on my logo is uh, fulfillment, freedom, and fun. And I think that those three words are really important to making sure that you feel like life is fulfilling, that it is satisfying, and that you have the freedom to do work or play. And most of the time, we need to focus on the fun in both places. If you're not having fun at work, maybe you need to find a different work or a different employer, or a different way of approaching your work. I think we all have to make changes when, we, when we're not satisfied. And I, I think that's something that most people don't look at seriously enough. My father worked <laughs> for a dynamite factory. I tell everybody I had a really explosive childhood. He worked around nitroglycerin. And so he had massive headaches all the time, because that's a side effect of it. And yet he worked there for 42 years. And I asked him, well, are you satisfied in your work? And he said, yeah. He says, I don't like the headaches. I don't like the side effects. But he said, I know that I'm making a product that we, we were helping the mining industry a lot back in those years. And we were they were uh, Colorado mines that were mining molybdenum for steel. And he said, I know that this is a product that is needed by you know a lot of different companies. And he said, I'm good at what I do. And I really enjoy it because of that fact. Well, there he was suffering physically going through something and still was able to find satisfaction in it. He loved the people he worked with. He liked the, the environment. And it was also uh, in the 50s and 60s when times weren't that great after World War II in Korea. Uh, the country was really struggling with a lot of stuff. And he had a job. He had a well-paying job. And that was a big deal back then. And I think that's where people, you hear today that a lot of people don't want to go back to work because of a variety of reasons. And I think that that's part of the, the whole concept of loving what you do. You've got to be able to find something that you really love and that really satisfies you. It helps you keep your spirits up and keep you energized and moving forward. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess we could say not satisfied, but joy because joy has more of a, 
you can be in pain, but you can still be joyful type of a thing. Cause joy doesn't really change. That's a great word. Yeah. Joy describes a lot of things and I get joy out of my bicycling and hiking and skiing and just living in Colorado. And I, I have a lot of joy with my friends. I'm in the National Speakers Association, and I have so many friends that are national speakers. And we've really kind of had to pull together in the last year and a half because so many events got canceled. And your PR people all faced that same problem with all kinds of events that they probably were trying to promote. Suddenly, they were dead. They were gone. And it was like, whoa, what do we do now? And we've had it one heck of a worldwide learning experience to go through here. And, you know, we've got to be able to be happy coming out the other side of it now and really be energized to get things going again. And I think that that's what will drive a lot of people will be that they, they suddenly are happy at being able to get out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Virtual events were kind of the main go-to, but they weren't that great. No, they weren't great. And it's hard as a speaker because you, you oftentimes feed off of your audience. And there was nothing for me to feed off of. There was no feedback. I couldn't see them. And I mean, I gave quite a few virtual keynotes. And um, while they were satisfying in that I got good chats, <laughs> a chat doesn't really mean much to you, you know? Don't get to experience the energy of the room. And the, there's so much that happens when you're a speaker on stage and that just didn't happen anymore. So I, we're all starting to come out of it. There's more things starting to get planned now once again the, the cruise industry's opened up and we'll see, you know, I think things are going to probably turn around quickly for your industry as well. Probably. Yeah. I mean, for specifically for podcasting, it was great for the pandemic. We had everybody listening to us because they had not much to do, but <laughs> eventually when everybody goes back to work, the listening, uh, I guess, behaviors change. So we're going to have to readjust to what actual, what it was before again, once everything starts to open up because before, before it was, they would listen to the morning and at night and in the middle, nothing. Now it was from morning to night throughout the whole day. So we're going to have to readjust because people are getting out more often. Yeah, it's really exciting, though, when you think about it. We've been through so much and we've survived and we're coming out the other end. And it's so exciting that we have learned. And I hate to use this word because it was used so much. We've learned to pivot. And I think that Pivoting was one of those things that once you learned how to do it, it's just like your tenacity muscle. Once you have exercised it and, it and you can be tenacious in a situation, you can pivot in almost any situation as well. We've learned how to be able to adjust and to be flexible. That was something Americans really weren't much used to before. We were pretty solid in the way we looked at things. and We had our blinders on and really and didn't really escape those blinders much. COVID blew the blinders off. We suddenly had to think in entirely different new ways. And it was like overnight that they, uh, all of my friends in, in the Speakers Association started looking at how to do virtual talks. And we held classes for like three months uh, for all of us as to how to use Zoom and Microsoft Teams and everything else. And it really worked to our advantage to get all that education. Now we're coming out the other end and we've learned how to really do a lot of new fun things. I think your industry probably has done exactly the same thing. You've, you've had to learn how to be able to promote things in different ways and look at them from different angles and different perspectives. And that energizes a lot of us, right? I mean, that really brings your creativity to the forefront. What else comes along with that? Your tenacity and your resilience. They just get drug along because you're pulling yourself into new territories. So you could almost say a pivoting is part of the tenacity and resilience 
in some type of way because you have to be tenacious to be like, okay, where do I go from here? And to be resilient saying, okay, this isn't working. What else can I do to keep whatever I'm doing going? Yeah, to keep, yeah, to keep it alive for sure. Pivoting really was a word that sort of fit all four of mine. And I think that pivoting is one of those things that we've learned to be able to adjust on the fly. There used to be a, a saying that in car racing, it was you're driving by the seat of your pants. And what that really meant was you were really pushing the limit. You were really going hard, trying to get around people in the in the car race. And I think that that also was that was what brought the fun to it because you were really working it. There's nothing better than being in a car, going at speed, learning how to control it, and competing against the other drivers who are doing exactly the same thing. Well, that analogy fits the PR industry perfectly because you're constantly looking at your competition. You're trying to see what they're doing differently. You're still trying to push hard to get ahead. And yet you you want to be creative and come up with your own stuff. And I think this is a time when your industry's got to be more exciting than it's been in a long time. It was going on a trajectory of popularity. It's just COVID like did a massive uptick. But then we also had a basically a disruption with drop-in, drop-out audio with Clubhouse. Now Spotify has Green Room and then Twitter has spaces. Facebook's eventually getting into it. LinkedIn is looking into it, but LinkedIn's always behind. So they're going to be about two years behind this anyways. <laughs> yeah. And you had Discord, which is mostly for gamers, but now for communities having their own version of it too. Yeah. it's it, There's just suddenly so many platforms and so many ways to be able to do things. And whatever turns you on is the place you should go to. Whatever makes you happy and makes you feel satisfied and makes you feel fulfilled in the way that you can approach your job. That's that's sort of the universe telling you your energy is bringing you to this direction. Follow it. Use it. Make it happen. Once you discover that energy, even at my age, here I am launching a whole brand new project that I hope will take take hold and I'll have something to be able to do for the next 10 years. Well, I'll be 83. How many people are looking forward to working with their 83? Not very many. Well, I love my work. And I, like you guys, we have a real zest for life. We enjoy what we do, and we want to be able to continue to do it for as long as you want. I will retire eventually, I'm sure, but I'm not there yet. I got a lot of a lot of fire in my belly yet to still accomplish stuff, and I think it's that fire that that keeps people going. Mm-hmm. I mean, it even goes into like self discovery, and what do people miss about that? Because I feel like we can have a lot of misfires. Be like, oh, this is where I should go, and it's like. No, that's not actually where I should actually go. So what do people miss or what signs can they overlook when we're doing self-discovery? Well, I think it's a, a lot of it has to do with how you find your self-discovery. An awful lot of things that have worked for me have been uh, surrounding meditation. I learned how to do meditation in the 70s when I got home. It was the old biofeedback stuff with the alpha brainwave training. And we were all learning how to meditate back then, which was all sort of technically based, lowering your alpha brain waves to get to a level where your mind would be more creative. We've learned now that with the apps that are on the phones anymore, with like the one that advertises on TV all the time called Calm, there are ways for you to be able to listen to music or listen to different kinds of binaural beats that are built into a lot of those uh, Calm programs 
helps the brain slow down. Well, meditation is nothing more than slowing your brain down so that you can actually focus. So in an, to answer your question, I think a lot of people need to slow down, take time to, to meditate and journal, and the right things will surface for them. The wrong things will suddenly start to appear differently, like they won't be as exciting. They won't have as much zest about them. But the things that are exciting will start to surface for you. As I was writing in my journal while I was lost in the Himalayas, I started writing what I wanted to do when I got back home, because that whole trip surrounded the fact that I had hit a midlife crisis and a mid-career crisis at the age of 48. And as I was writing in my journal and meditating, I was writing about the things I wanted to do when I got home that were different and that were fun. And it took me eight years after I got home before I actually stepped out and joined Toastmasters and started speaking, because speaking and writing a book was one of the major things on my list while I was over there that I wanted to accomplish when I got home. I didn't want to stay in the financial planning industry, although it had done very well for me. It was under a lot of pressure with that business. And I didn't like the pressure. I just didn't need it anymore. I wanted to have fun with life and I wanted to speak and write and be creative. And I think that we have meditation helps you accomplish that. It brings you to a place where you can really focus much better. And that focus will bring you to the things that you should do that are more in line with what your energy is all about. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, financial planning has gone through its own little renaissance, but it's mostly more about apps and people doing it themselves. Yeah. And uh, to some extent, I can see where people would be drawn to that. Uh, having a, a, an actual financial planner that lays out a plan that helps you with your estate planning, your life insurance, your disability income. There's a lot of facets to it that most people don't look at. And I think a planner still is of value to people um, because it will bring them to a place where they can see the whole picture versus a small slice of the picture. And uh, I think that people need to be able to look at life like that as well. Don't just look at a small slice because an app gives you that slice. Broaden your horizons. Look at a lot of different aspects of things before you make a change. The, this little discussion kind of started about how do you hang on to what you're doing and how do you not want to make change with with bad information? And I think that's what comes out of a lot of things is that we don't look at them closely enough to find out all the facts before we make a jump. And we make it just purely because it's something to do. <laughs> That's not a good way to move forward. True. And then, I mean, how can PR pros unlock their best potential? Because we talked about all this stuff, but how can they really focus in on and become better at their craft? I think it has to do with the people that you've surrounded yourself with. I think learning to be able to collaborate and to bounce ideas off of people and it will always raise you along. How does that old saying goes? Uh, uh, high water raises all boats. I think that's kind of what we're talking about here. I have a, a mastermind group that I'm in with four other guys and that group has raised me numerous times when I felt like I kind of had hit a wall. And I think that PR professionals by their nature are somewhat collaborative because they get imaginative ideas from other people through brainstorming. And a lot of firms have collaborative sessions where they're working on a project together and then they go off separately and pull the pieces together. And I think that learning how to be able to collaborate with others has always been a big thing. I was self-employed my whole life. My insurance agency was a one-man shop with one secretary. And I, I had to have a mastermind group to be able to get out of that, to get to a place where there was more creativity, where I could see more ideas more clearly than just in my own little realm. And I think that a lot of things that will help your people 
is learning my four words with other people because then they're all on the same level, all pushing forward on the same idea. And I, I really feel that collaboration is probably something that's undervalued and overlooked in a lot of respects because we are kind of solopreneurs oftentimes. And we need to get out of that and get into the realm of working with others. Yeah, I mean, you could even go back to ancient times about finding the right people or wise people and basically doing life together in some type of way. They've always talked about doing things in groups and finding the right people to help you and help them at the same time. Well, you know, we all have networking groups that we belong to over the years and you join the networking group so that you can find other people that have people that you need. And it's been there for a long time and I'm sure you, your profession uses it as much as mine does. And it's in that networking that you then suddenly start collaborating and it's fun. I mean, there's, you're not alone in the challenge anymore. You're working with someone else and finding fulfillment in different ways. I think that it, it makes life more wholesome and more enjoyable. Yeah, basically iron sharpens iron is probably the best way of saying it. <laughs> well, you spoke a moment ago about the ancients. It's sort of ironic when you look at the, the Japanese culture, uh, how they revere the elderly in their culture, and they look to them for advice and for guidance and how our culture is sort of backwards with that we put old people in in a category of oh you're, you're ready for a nursing home well no <laughs> you could learn a lot from us if you take time to meet us and enjoy what we've got to offer you because yeah, i you know being at my age right now i have uh, a lot of my son's 27 and he calls me couple times a day sometimes about, hey, dad, this is happening. What, what do you think I ought to do? Sometimes I need to tell him to do it on his own. <laughs> but, a lot, but a lot of times I appreciate the fact that he asked. And so I would encourage your, your listeners to find the, the guy that's been around a really long time, because if he's been there a long time, he survived the hard times and he can give you advice and, and uh, teach you how to do things that maybe are a little different, maybe a little old school sometimes. I mean, I still got a fax machine, so <laughs> you kind of have to look at the old school as to maybe they're not always so bad. Sometimes there's ways that you can find things that you can carry forward and tweak them a little bit and, and make it something better. But learning it from somebody that has a lot of experience oftentimes will really help you out a lot. Well, yeah, I mean, we have fundamentals for everything. Even PR has fundamentals that don't really change no matter how much new technology tries to make sure that we find a new way of doing things. I mean, word of mouth has always been king. No matter what new thing comes out, no matter what content or what new platform comes out, word of mouth still is king. Yep. Yep. I, I totally agree with you. It, it's all like direct marketing kind of got a bad rap for a while. But right now we've got essentially the same thing going again with email marketing. It's just changed the platform. It's no longer arriving in your mailbox or coming in your newspaper. It's coming through your email. And I think that it's just another way of looking at something old and just making it different. And then fun question for you. If you could go back and do it all over again, would you change anything? Well, we started this conversation talking about Star Trek and I don't want to get into the time continuum or <laughs> we could end up uh, really screwing everything up if I changed anything. <laughs> no, I, I have <laughs> I'm a Vietnam veteran. I, I have had a lot of experiences in my life that were really negative. And I wouldn't go back to change them because they've made me who I am today. And 
I like who I am. I'm a happy guy. I've got lots going on. I think most people, if they really thought about it, wouldn't change much anything either. I think we have to take our lives for where we are today and just be happy. Just find that place where you've got good, happy energy and just stay there as much as you can. All right. Words to live by. Any final thoughts? If people wanted to go to my website to uh, look for my book or uh, it's keithrenanson.com. And with this new assessment that'll be out in September, if anyone's interested in taking it, we'll we'll have it available. We're going to do beta test in August and people can sign up for that pretty soon. So uh, and my books on Amazon. All right. Thank you for joining PR 316 and sharing your wealth and knowledge, plus giving us a little like uplift for this week's episode. No problem. It's really been a lot of fun to be with you. Thanks a lot, Brett. And thank you for listening to PR360. As always, please subscribe to PR360 on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Leave a review. It really does help with the rankings and let us know how we're doing. Enjoy us next week as we talk to another great thought leader in the PR industry. All right, guys, stay safe. Find your trip and see you next week. Later. <laughs>